and this happens to me all the time. Like I create something, <laughs> I market it, I get paid for it. And then I'm like, well, I know I just want to go create something new. And I'm like, oh, shit. I, but I'm like, oh, I have to deliver on the thing I just sold for like the next six months, but I'm like ready to go create the next thing. I um, do that so, all the time. <laughs> I'll be like, well, I sold that for like three days. Next. And it's like, no. Welcome to Too Legitimate to Quit, instantly actionable small business strategies with a pop culture spin. I am your host, Annie P. Ruggles, and my guest today is the incomparable Sarah Dean. Sarah Dean is a mindset, business, and leadership coach. She's also the creator and host of the Shameless Mom Academy podcast, a top-rated podcast with 4 million downloads. Sarah's biggest passion is helping women own their space. After enduring her identity crisis following the birth of her son, Sarah took her background in psychology, health, wellness, and all of it and rebuilt her identity one step at a time. Sarah motivates and inspires women to stop shrinking and start shining. She is on a mission to inspire women and moms in particular to live bigger, bolder, braver, hashtag every damn day. Sarah serves women through her podcast, her thriving Momentum Mamas membership community, her Tenacious Mamas business and leadership mastermind, and her annual event, Shameless MomCon. When she's not supporting shameless moms, you'll find Sarah with her husband and her nine-year-old son building Legos and pretending to understand Minecraft. Sarah Dean, the Magnificent, I will stop fangirling long enough, but only long enough, to ask you this important question. What do small business owners need to focus on this week? Small business owners need to focus on staying standing this week. Oh, we are in this moment of Omicron. I don't know what it's like where you live, but from what I'm seeing, it's the same everywhere yeah. where everyone's being taken out left and right. Mm-hmm. Um, and staying standing is real hard right now. Yeah. And so I'm just going to invite people to stay. That doesn't mean ignore that your needed rest or ignore your body if you're sick or anything like that. But it's like stay standing in whatever capacity you can so that you can keep going. Mm-hmm. Over the course of the last two years, there's been a lot of opportunities to sit down. And there's been a lot of good reasons to sit down, really appropriate reasons to sit down. And what I think we're seeing now is that the people that chose to stay standing there's some really good payoff for that right now um, and coming into 2022, even though there's still a lot of uncertainty. So as we have this regression into like, holy crap, what's happening? Is it happening again? Is everything shutting down? Stay standing. Oh, I love that. So what you're saying is my uh, default position of the fetal position for the last two years is probably not mentally, physically, or emotionally the best choice for me. I mean, (laughs) There's moments for that for sure. But I also know if you've been producing the show during that time that you have (laughs) you have opted to stay standing in one capacity or another in one capacity or another. My butt may have been planted, but emotionally I was standing up. I think that's so key, though, in that effort of like, damn it, I'm going to wash my hair today. 
Yep. I'm going to do it. Or like, that's the personal one for me. It's like, I've got to wash my hair. It doesn't matter if my clients don't care. I need to care. So I will do this. Right. But there's yeah. also that component of like, there are just the everyday mundane aspects of entrepreneurship that don't feel like they carry too much meaning, but still have to get done. And it's like, okay, stand up and get your inbox down. Stand mm-hmm. up and send that uncomfortable email. Stand up and push back on a boundary that's being violated. Like, and and that's so totally true because it's it's been so easy to be like, well, I worked really, really hard yesterday. I had four interviews back to back and there's a pandy going. So I should just lay down. <laughs> right. And and I've done that. Yeah. No judgment. Yeah. But so why do you think the opposite, in addition to the obvious, like what what do you think propels us not to stand? And and is it harder to stay standing when you have little eyeballs on you? Or is it easier? So I think that we, our inclination to sit down, lay down, and regress to the fetal position, mm-hmm. I think a lot of times has to do with fear and uncertainty and the unknown and things being unpredictable and us not being able to control things. But I think there's this other piece that there's no immediate gratification. And so and this started again two years ago. Um, I started having this conversation with a number of my business coaching clients who were like, holy cow, what am I going to do? Like I had just brought in all these new business coaching clients who'd set these amazing goals for 2020 at that time. Mm -hmm. And then everything fell apart. And they were like, okay, so bye. Like, do I, we just shut it down? (laughs) Like, do we just abandon the goals? Like, what do we do? And I had to figure out like what I was going to do as a business owner. But then I also had to figure out as I'm shifting and pivoting all the things in my business, I'm also having to figure out how I'm going to coach other people to do the same. And my invitation to them was traction. And it was like, and now we, I'm still coaching a number of them. And so we laugh about this word because I'm like traction, traction, traction. There are moments where there will be no immediate gratification, where yep. you will not know what the payoff is going to be and you oh. won't know when it's going to happen. And that f- makes it feel really hard to stay standing because you're like, I guess I'm just going to stay standing and working my ass off. But like, will it be worth it? I don't know. And will it be worth it? Maybe not for three years. Maybe. But how will it feel if it does pay off in three years? And I can tell you from my own personal experience that from building traction when I had nothing else going for me. So that was exactly your point, like putting a boundary in place, replying to the emails, entering a hard conversation, showing up and leading when other people were opting out of leading, like doing all these things and being like, I'm not getting paid for this. I mean, I literally, there was months in 2020 where I was like, I'm just doing a whole bunch of stuff for free. I don't know where it's going to go. I'm real tired. I don't really want to work for free, but like, what else am I going to do right now? Right. And the traction that I built at that point has created massive opportunities for me in the last six months or so. I mean, like I was on the Dr. Phil, the Dr. Phil show recently. And I'm like, yeah, that's because I built traction in 2019 that progressed into 2020. And I showed up for those opportunities in 2020, even though they weren't what I had planned at all. And they felt silly and in like inconsequential at the time, but it was those relationships and those those relationships that I invested in. Yes. Even even when I was like, this is going nowhere because no one can go anywhere, um, that those paid off. And so now it's been like getting on the Dr. Phil show or getting contracts to speak with Amazon or like there's been some really big things that have happened. And I can trace it back to I stayed standing and I built traction when there was nothing else to do. And I was able to 
lean into something to lean into like my own skills and my own talent, even when there wasn't going to be immediate gratification. And that's not fun. Like that's not fun and sexy. It's like the really boring, tedious, sometimes ugly, painful part of, uh, part of entrepreneurship. I just, all of this is so powerful and so freaking gorgeous. And, and most of my listeners and most of my clients are what I call chasing growth phase. Like they're sort of in it, but they're sort of not, but they are, but they can't really tell. And it's because of exactly what you're talking about. Progress is a lot easier to track in hindsight, right? Mm -hmm. It's a lot easier to go, whoa, when you look at six months of marketing of metrics instead of six days. And that's just marketing (laughs) metrics that are given to you, not any of the soft intangibles. Right. And, and I see this with my clients all the time where we start every single call with celebrations. All of our group calls start with celebrations and they're forced. You have to celebrate. And sometimes I do the same thing. I love it. (laughs) And sometimes we will get these kind of half-assed, like, I can't believe this bitch is making me celebrate today thing. And they'll be like, well, I'm celebrating that my podcast got like 100 listens yesterday. And I guess that's my celebration. And I'm like, lovingly, lovingly, I'm like, bitch, do you remember how long you procrastinated starting that podcast? And now you're up to 100 listens the next day. Like, hold on, we got to go back. But I do the same thing. It's harder to see when it's not that immediate gratification, which I think Immediate gratification for an entrepreneur is is the most addictive substance in the world. Oh, and and once totally. you get a taste of it, it's so freaking hard. And that's why some things like speaking, like I heard you speaking and I immediately went up and I was like, oh, my God, that was freaking amazing. That's instant gratification. Right. This podcast episode is not going to have instant gratification. I'm going to fangirl out on you, but I would do that anyway. <laughs> right. But but seven right. years from now, someone could email you and be like, I heard you had too legitimate to quit back in 2022. And it's like, what? but I, yeah. I think what's so, so freaking key is that you're treating time and energy and good faith as what they are, which is an investment. If we put Mm -hmm. in an investment of money, we would expect it to take time to accrue, right? We don't buy a stock and expect to be a millionaire the next day. But we do when it comes to energy and time. We're like, well, hold on. I committed to that relationship. I really showed up for her yesterday. So when is she going to show up for me today? And it's like, if you stop, that doesn't really make sense. But why do you think it's so hard for us to, to... uh, run on faith and exhaustion. I mean, it sounds kind of obvious, but but why do you think we don't view those things on par as a, say, financial investment? I think that we see other people, uh, we see other people's success and we assume that they did it really quick or that it came really easy and that they didn't invest in themselves and invest the time and the energy and they didn't have to build the traction. So, yeah. because again, because building the traction isn't the sexy thing, no one talks about it. No one talks about like how long it takes or how many times you were just really bored with your work or it felt really tedious or it felt really hard or it was just not glamorous. And when we don't, when that piece of the equation is missing and we don't see that, we look at someone else's social media following or someone else's downloads or someone else's someone else being on having some media opportunity. And we think that like, oh, that just happened for them. And that's not just quote unquote, just happening for me. And so then we don't have a reason to be patient for that. And we don't have a reason to, to see that those investments of time and energy being worthwhile. Um, 
because we assume that we're doing something wrong instead of recognizing like, no, you have to just keep showing up one million times over and over again in those like unglamorous moments where no one sees you. And then you get those payoffs, you know, many often much later. I love that you brought up patience because I feel like patience is just never really (laughs) talked about in this world, but super necessary because I and most of us don't have it. If you're a creative, right. you're not patient. You're not like, patient. You, and you create one thing, and and this happens to me all the time. Like I create something, <laughs> I market it, I get paid for it, and then I'm like, well, I know I just want to go create something new, and I'm like, oh, shit. I, but I'm like, oh, I have to deliver on the thing I just sold for like the next six months. But I'm like ready to go create the next thing. I um, do that. So, all the time. <laughs> I'll be like, well, I sold that for like three days. Next, and it's like, no. Right. Yeah. No, now you have to grow and deliver on the thing you just sold, little girl. Yeah. Slow down. Yeah. Oh, my God. But it's so weird because then it's like, well, I, I consider myself to be a relatively patient person with everyone else other than myself. Oh, totally. You know, and I'm working on that because a lot of that is like boundaries. Like it's much it's much better to be patient with yourself when you're not exhausting yourself patience over stuff that you shouldn't be tolerating. Right. Right. So like that's on me. If I let clients push all my boundaries and beat up my buttons and just make me crazy that I can't blame the client for that. That's because I'm not showing up or standing up for myself in that way. But at the same point, I, I, I do, I do a million worse things to myself every day. And that's not a good thing. That's a bad (laughs) thing. But, but at least I'm, I'm more and more aware of like, Hey, I need to be more self-compassionate. Yeah. Yeah. In these moments and and freaking patient. Dang it. I wanna be patient, Sarah. I know. I want it now. And the funny thing is, I want it now and I've been building it for 10 years and I still want it. Yeah. You know? So it's like, oh God. Yeah. What are some of the ways that we knowingly or unknowingly sabotage our traction? Mm, good question. I think we sabotage our traction by not recognizing it. First of all, that not by not seeing that that's what we're doing. We are quick to think, think things are not worthwhile or think things aren't going somewhere when they actually are. Um, Mm -hmm. I think we also are really quick to be really self-critical. And so when we don't get immediate gratification, then we, beat ourselves up and we stop doing the thing or we shift gears too quickly because we go into the comparison mm-hmm. trap or we go into self self doubt. We let all of our self-limiting beliefs or negative self-talk like circle back on this like vicious loop. And when we do that, we end up not really fully expressing whatever the vision or the dream was or not fully building the, the vision or the dream. Um, and and so it 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 never even gets like the opportunity to breathe in the way that you intended it to. So one thing that I, I think is so freaking interesting is that you brought up this this horrible trap of comparison thinking. Mm-hmm. And there are a million things that we could say about comparison thinking, the good aspects, the bad aspects, letting it inspire you or this or that. But you run a huge, thriving international community. And it operates in these fabulous tight-knit cells. So my question for you is, in our own lives and in the communities we frequent, but also the communities we run, 
How do we live in close proximity with people and have that inside view into their world and not get hung up in comparison? I think that we have to we have to recognize that we're all really layered people. Mm-hmm. Then we make space for those layers. And I can tell you that within my so I have a membership community that's all it's personal development mindset work for moms and then I have a mastermind community that's business and leadership um coaching for moms. And inside of both of those groups which are both smaller tight knit groups um versus like our bigger public free community. Um, we make all the space for all the layers. And so it's not just like, how are you the most fabulous person here? But it's really like, what are your obstacles? How are you getting in your own way? How are you, what's holding you back? Where, where did you have a win? Where did you take imperfect action? And we really lead with imperfection. (sighs) And so when you lead with imperfection, the walls come down pretty quickly for comparison because then even the people that have really fabulous looking lives from the outside are quick to step in and be like, Hey, like this is the thing that's really hard for me. And what's been really fascinating with that is that we've actually had some high profile people in our programs over the years who have some public notoriety in different capacities. And when they come in and we, I, you know, in our early conversations, I'm like, Hey, like you're just showing up here as you not as like your public persona and Mm -hmm. you're here to show up imperfectly. Like that's expected. (laughs) And it's amazing what happens when I think if I were to have told the, our members, our communities in advance, like, Hey, so -so so-and-so is going to be joining like immediately Mm -hmm. other people would be like, Oh my God, like they're so accomplished or they're so this or that or the other thing. But when they just show up on a call and the first time they go to speak, they talk about something that they're struggling with or some way that they were imperfect that week immediately, like we're all on the same page. So immediately celebrities, they're just like us. Exactly. So it really drops. We drop the curtain really quickly and create space for people to be really layered. And so when you do that and there's that level of vulnerability, then the point, the ability for us to connect quickly, um, I think puts us in a place of not leaving space for the comparison trap. And so then instead we're filled like, and I always, talk about crowding things out. So if you want to crowd out the comparison trap, it's like, well, what are you going to use to like fill up all the extra space so that there's just not room for that bullshit anymore. And so what Mm -hmm. you're using to fill it up is like talking about what's hard for me right now, talking about how I'm imperfect, talking about this funny thing that happened, talking about this really tiny win I had, not talking about like how I got an HBO special or whatever the thing, you know? So talking about things in these really humane ways, and that really crowds out any space left for being like fancy and showy or, or crowds out the space for other people to be like, oh, if this person's here, I don't even feel qualified to be here anymore. But also how incredible for that person who very likely in their life has to be on all the time. Totally. And if they're like, my kid threw up on me five seconds before I had the most important audition of my career, everyone around them would be like, "Eh, stop bitching, you're a celebrity. Or like, "Eh, but you got the job, what does it matter? And it's like, well, hold on. Why are the details of my life and my motherhood not as important? And it's like, how beautiful to be able to show up and be seen as a different layer of that onion. I will say that often the people that come in and it's not like there's been masses of them, but the few that we've had, who've had a little bit of public, uh, you know, public um, notoriety. It's amazing when they come in and they're like, I'm, 
I'm just, I'm really stuck or I don't know who I am, or I'm, I've been really struggling with my mindset. And those are really common. Those are like the things that I've heard repeatedly from the, this small contingency. And it's refreshing to know that like, that's just the human experience when you're like a 40 year old mom and how great for them to your point, to be able to come into a space and be able to be seen and held and heard and connected in that, in that moment. Because to your point, it's like, you don't get that in other places. Like there's not space for that. It's not normalized. It's not a thing. No, even if you get interviewed in like a magazine about it, they're going to take like the cutest, most perfect looking picture of your children and be like, look at these adorable little angels. Like, "Mm, I just said they puked on me. Why didn't you put that? Right. 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 So it's Dr. Phil, isn't it? Dr. Phil is a member of Shameless Mom Academy. Totally. I'm yeah. just going to do It's not that. Dr. Phil. It's Robin. Robin's part of the Shameless Mom. <laughs> <laughs> never, oh never, never, never. <laughs> oh, my God. You know, I I love also hearing you talk so much about patience and allowing things to grow and and happen naturally and also showing up imperfectly. Um, the, the speech that I was lucky enough to hear of yours was specifically about membership. And one of the things that you really touched on is why you ask for an annual commitment. Mm. And I have since shifted to asking for an annual commitment. So thank you. Uh, But additionally, I think one of the reasons why you said that annual was so loving, like was so critical and important is because setbacks happen and your Mm. members are human. And I remember thinking, you know, that makes a phenomenal amount of sense. And again, with that forgiveness, that permission and that safe space, when you when you communicate that up front, you say like, look, I'm in this for the long haul. And if you fall down, which you will fall down, we'll be there when you get back up. And that's OK. Mm-hmm. I, I just think that that is so patient, realistic and powerful. And I'm curious, how do we that's a different kind of patience, right? That's saying I'm going to be with this person for a whole year and I'm going to be with them every step of the way for a whole year. And they're giving me a lot of patience by giving me a whole year. So how, how do you think we can foster patience in our communities and in our client relationships? Yeah. So I use previous to working with moms through my podcast, through the shameless mom Academy, I owned a gym. I was in the fitness industry for a number of years and I sold memberships to my, it was a fitness studio, but we had this membership. We had like a one-on-one model where people could come in and do one-on-one training, but then we had this membership model for classes. And what I learned from business coaching was that for the viability, the financial viability of the gym, I couldn't afford because of the overhead. Like I could not afford to have people coming and going every month and not knowing what my revenue was going to be. Like that was just, especially Seattle real estate, like, no, thank you. So I was like, I have to get people to sign these full year contracts. I don't need everyone on a full year contract, but I need like a critical mass to just know financially that like I can keep my doors open. And so it kind of started with that just and business coaches who were kind of teaching me some things around that. But what I quickly noticed was that the benefit of that was that these women would come in and when they, because they were committed for a year, they made friends at the gym and it yes. became their cheers. It became the place where like they would walk in, everyone would be excited to see oh. them. Certain groups had like certain, so like the 6am women, it was like, they were like thick as thieves. These women, like 
The 6 a.m. people, like the 5 p.m. people were like, I don't even want to know the 6 a.m. people because they're crazy. Yep. And But so we had like the whole like 6 a.m. crew and then we had the 5 p.m. crew who were like, we're here for this and then happy hour. Like it was just this this level of community that built out because they were there and committed over time. So it was worth it to them to invest in relationships and become friends. And so then we had mm. women who were like, traveling together and doing adventure races together and training for half marathons together. And they became like legit, really good friends. And this community became just this really precious place in within the neighborhood we were in. And I recognized that that was a benefit of having people commit to that year. And of course, because I'm working with moms, of course, there was times where they they would be gone for three weeks at a time. Like a partner was traveling and then a kid got sick and then like they sprained their ankle and they're like, Oh my God. Like, and which was incredibly frustrating. And that would be the reason and time that most people would just be like, you know what? I'm just going to like take a break and come back next year. But because they had this annual commitment, it was like, yep, three weeks is a blip on the radar over the course of 52 weeks. So we've missed you, but get back in here. Yeah. And then they come back and people are like, Oh my God, we missed you. And so we, it creates space for there to be those really natural moments where like life is going to throw you 18 curveballs at once and you're not going to know which way is up. And when you do come out of that fog, then you have that place to return to. So you're not just like sidelined indefinitely trying to figure out what's next. Instead, you know, like, okay, things are starting to, you know, return to quote unquote normal. And now I can get back in the game and I know exactly where I'm going. I'm going right back to that community that's held me all the, you know, previous to this. So when I started um, in the Shameless Mom Academy, when I wanted to start a membership, which now we have called Momentum Mamas, I knew that I wanted the same thing. I did not want people bouncing in and out. And with Momentum Mamas, an even more critical piece for me was the deep work that we're doing. It didn't feel safe to me to let people come and go. Because if Mm. I have members coming in and talking about these intimate parts of their lives and their intimate insecurities and struggles, and then I have other people just like coming and going all the time. And like they, they're in it for 30 days and then they're like, yeah, peace out. It doesn't. Yeah. And you're like, I just heard all your secrets, but like, bye. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. it's just not, that's not the kind of community I want to be leading. That's not an integrity with my core values. And it's not an integrity with how I want to be how I want to show up as a leader and hold space for people. And so, and so this model has been more like the year commitment is for the safety of the community and for the, like the sacredness of the work that we're doing. And then it also has the benefit of me being, uh, having some predictability of revenue before with Mm -hmm. the gym, it was more like, I need to figure this out. Like I need to, it was revenue, uh, a revenue generated idea that then had the benefit of the community, which I didn't know that that was going to be such a big benefit. And now with having seen that, I was like, oh, okay, so I want this benefit. Like I'm leading with this benefit that you get tapped into this community. That's really significant and special and transformational. And then the benefit of, you know, the side benefit of that is that also it gives me some predictability of revenue and that's going to be really oh. supportive of the overall business model. Well, it's a win, 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 totally. win, 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 win. It just goes on and on and on forever. And, and yeah. I love that we're talking about fitness because it goes to our earlier point of if you haven't seen somebody in a really long time and you've been working out a bunch, you may not be able to see your progress. But when you see that friend, they're going to be like, your arms look incredible. You're <laughs> yeah. not going to know that. Totally. Same thing happens on my calls when we were talking about somebody. I'm not always the only one going, hello, 
you just launched your podcast two months ago. You should be proud of yourself. What are you doing? Like we see each other through different lenses of yeah. progress as well. And so building a community that sees you and knows you and stays with you yeah. is another way to, I guess, foster that patience, that traction is happening. We just yeah. can't see it yet. Just like, yeah. you know, I have abs. They're just under fluff. And and maybe someday they will come out to party and maybe they won't, but right. they're there. Um, I love that. All right. So all of this good feeling community building, I feel like it's the absolute perfect segue to ask you this question that I have been dying to ask since this podcast. Well, not since the podcast began. Podcast older than the show, but whatever. It feels like it's been since the incarnation. Uh, what the heck? Does any of this have to do with the Richmond Greyhounds and the magnificence that is Ted freaking Lasso? Oh, Ted Lasso. I have to say, I first <sighs> heard, right, I know, like when you say it and there's just immediate like uh, soundtrack that plays in your head yep. of magnificence. Um, I originally heard Brene Brown talking about Ted Lasso on her show and she was like, yeah, it's about soccer, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, bye. <laughs> like I was like, I don't need to watch a show about soccer. Like that sounds really boring. And she's like, it's changed my life. And I'm like, Brene, like, I thought we were closer. What I know I, I was really very disappointed in this whole, in her. And so I completely ignored it. I completely ignored her recommendation, which we should know. Like you'd never ignore anything Brene says. Yeah. Don't ignore so Brene. I completely Brene ignore it. Steer us wrong. <laughs> right. And then I start seeing it pop up on social media, people mentioning it. And again, I'm like, mm -hmm. Oh my God, stop people. Just stop. And then I credit my own Facebook, Sarah. For that, I mean, that's really what it started popping up. But we <laughs> actually, we started watching the morning show on Apple TV, which was mm. the first show we watched on Apple TV, I think. Mm -hmm. And it was really good. And I was like, oh, wait, this Ted Lasso thing's on Apple TV? Mm -hmm. Fine. Like, let's well, try it. I'm already episode. paying for Apple TV. So right. May as well see what is here. So we started watching. And the first few episodes, I was like, eh, it's just a lot of soccer. And Jason Sudeikis, like, what? kind of goofy. <laughs> yeah. I just was like, I don't know. And but then, it worms its way into your oh, heart. It does because, and it's, it's because of the layers. And so, yeah. which we've kind of referenced earlier in this conversation, the layers of humanity in the character development of the characters mm -hmm. over the course of the show, like you can't, help but fall in love with every character for different reasons mm -hmm. or feel like empathy for every character for different reasons. And it's interesting. Mm -hmm. We also have been watching succession at the same time. Oh and, my God. And I talk about the opposite of right. So in succession, like every character is bad and you keep yep. one, you're like, is anyone going to like be redeeming in any way ever? And like, spoiler alert. No, no. <laughs> and, and in Ted Lasso, you're like, I don't know. I don't kind of, I don't quite get it. But like maybe they're maybe they'll redeem themselves or maybe like I'll see this point of connection where I can relate to this person. Yeah. And you relate to every single person in some way. Like there is just yep. this level of humanity that they bring about in that show that you end up at some point really being able to relate to every single character because they yeah. do such a beautiful job with character development that even though like Jamie Tart at the beginning, I'm like, screw him. And by the oh like, my now, God, now I'm like, oh, Jamie, little... give me a hug, you know? Oh, I felt the exact same way about Jamie Tart. I was like, I 
hate this douchebag. Yes. Like when he's like, do I have to wear a shirt to the funeral? I'm like, I'm going to murder you. Yes. <laughs> and then like season two, I'm just like, Jamie, I want to be your best friend. Yeah. I just want to carry you around in my pocket because nobody's full villain or full hero. Yeah. Including yeah. You, You're cheering for all of them. Yes. But, you cheer yeah. for all of them because they're so complex. Uh, Jason yeah. Sudeikis said, um, and I just thought that this was hysterical. He said, Ted, somebody asked him, like, why do you think Ted Lasso is such a successful show? And he said, honestly, I don't know. It's about the two things all Americans hate, soccer and kindness. And I was like, <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, but I think that's the other thing is that Ted Lasso is really a show about how you treat people. Totally. And I think it's a, it's about how you treat people and also understanding that everyone comes from somewhere. Yeah. And so like, what are we bringing to the table that we, or what is someone bringing to the table that we don't see? And mm -hmm. so you see that in character development as you see like, you know, Rebecca who starts out as like, so like, so rigid her, and frigid oh, and like wearing and, her armor everywhere. And then you yeah. start to see like, oh, I get it why she's like that. And then yeah. same with Jamie Tart and you and I, you know, uh, uh, we were talking about Nate a little bit earlier, like you're. I'm mad at Nate. I'm very mad at Nate. I'm and also at Nate. I'm like, who hurt him? Right, you know, who like hurt him? you kind of want to punch him and then hug him immediately and then punch right. him again and then hug him again. It's like, right. Cause oh, I'm like, I'm so clearly someone you. hurt you. And we know that hurt people hurt people. And like, right. let me, let me get to help you get to the bottom of your heart. And we like, want better figure. for them. Right. We, we want better for Nate. We're like, Nate, this, this doesn't have to be your future. Becoming this bitter, old, nasty person does not have to be your destiny. And, and right. so that's kind of tough because we're like, well, no, Nate. But, yeah. you know, just even the way that they, they give life to the quote unquote, like lesser soccer players or may who runs the pub or mm -hmm. you know the way that they show up and and protect each other and rally around each other and one of my favorite characters is trent freaking crim from the independent like this very dry no nonsense mm. consummate professional hard ass with an underbelly of gold that we don't see for yeah. like a season and a half or you brought up um Ted and Rebecca at the beginning of season one. And the first time he brings her cookies for business yeah. with the boss. And she's like, this is inappropriate. I'm not taking this. Yeah. But we see this kind of beautiful image of, of their relationship form on how she gets to the point of not only welcoming the cookies, but like getting upset if the cookies are even like. You see her softening, late. like the softening yes. of her armor, which is like. You don't see that coming. Like, you don't think no. it's going to happen. And you think, like, you think you can typecast her from the beginning. You're like, oh, I know who she is. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, maybe I don't. No. <laughs> and that's the truth for everyone, right? Like, we we do this in every aspect of our lives. We're like, I know who you are. And yep. then as you start, and I do this, like other moms where I'm like, oh, I know who you are. And then I learn yep. something about someone. I'm like, oh, shit. Like, I did it's not like know who you, you were. It's like when you find out she's the shame nun from freaking Game of Thrones. You're like... <laughs> Rebecca, <laughs> I did not know that. I I don't do Game of Thrones because okay, it's enough. You know, I mean, if Brene it's recommended okay. it, if if, if Brene recommended it, maybe. But if Brene Brown <laughs> recommended Game of Thrones, I think Brene Brown would be quite quite drunk. Because although although here's the thing, there is a lot of shame in yeah. Game of Thrones. 
there is a lot of imperfection in Game of Thrones. So maybe <laughs> she watches it for like research purposes. Right. But I right. certainly don't think like it's in line with daring greatly. <laughs> like I don't, I don't think I don't think Game of Thrones really qualifies as daring greatly. But Ted Lasso does. Oh my right? gosh. Right? Especially yes. the team is pulling together in season one. They're trying not to get demoted. I'm not going to mm-hmm. say if they do or not. In season two, they're dealing with whether or not they did. Mm-hmm. Right. And but they have a common goal. The team needs to come together. The team needs to stay alive. And yeah. and that is daring greatly. Totally. Totally. There we go. Brene, <laughs> thanks for the Ted Lasso wreck. You got Sarah between you and my yep. obsessive Facebook posts. <laughs> got this done. What else? What have I not asked you about Ted Lasso before I release you into your mm. beautiful interview filled day? I don't know how much I want to give away. So Rebecca's relationship that mm-hmm. she gets into mm-hmm. with a player, mm-hmm. we'll leave it at that. Mm-hmm. But the relationship she gets into with a player at first, <sighs> this is again, like where you're, I was like, so inappropriate. Oh my God. No, like you. Ha- and from the get go, I was like, this is wrong. This can't happen. And then I'm like, oh, it's so right though. It's so, so it's, right. It's, I think that like, it's just everything that we, and this, and we have this in our personal lives where like you see someone's relationship or someone's what, the way someone's parenting and the way someone's building their business. And you're like, nope. And we are just so quick to judge or so quick to think that like, we know the right lines that can't be crossed or whatever. And it's like, no, you don't, you don't know. Um, You don't know. Because if you think about it, you know who, and I know who, mm -hmm. is infinitely better than her ex freaking husband, Rupert the Evil. Totally. So like why my mom yeah, is the so, same way. Now I season one, like episode two, I'm like, that would be cute. I'm shipping that. That's what I want. And everyone's like, you're crazy. My mom, same way. was like, it's not going to work. That's terrible. And then like four seconds later, she's like, I want a t-shirt with them on it. Oh, it's 100%. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God. Oh my. Well, and you, I know where you are in the show. Yeah, I'm not caught up. I'm not done. Exciting things are about to occur. We're like pacing, my husband and I pace ourselves. And so we like drag, especially when we know we only have a couple episodes left of something. We're like, okay, like one episode every other week. (laughs) Here's the full circle on that. I cannot believe that you two have the patience (laughs) because I. But we're so sad when things are over. Like we just finished Succession and I was like, I still like, I mean, we finished it over Christmas Mm -hmm. and I still sit down and we're recording this on what, January 19th or 20th or something. I still sit down Mm -hmm. most nights of the week and I'm like, oh, I'm so sad we don't have a Succession to watch. (laughs) Right. Even though they're all terrible. You're like, dang it. They are. They're so bad. They're so bad. It's the so I, know, I know that that's how I'm going to feel when we're caught up on Ted Lasso. Also, if you wait long enough, if you pace it out enough, it's just closer to the next season being released. <laughs> oh, my God. I freaking love it. All right. I got to get you back to your day because yes. I know you got interviewed yes. all day, but I got two quick questions for you. OK, cool. The first one is if someone was trying to win you over and you are the boss, which you are. I know you have a fitness background, but let's pretend like everything is calorie and fat free for now. What kind of baked goods could you be won over with? Oh, gosh. So I already believe everything's calorie and fat free. I don't care at all. Um, I don't believe I believe in indulging in food that brings me delight. <laughs> so what what you could win me over with. So there's these cookies at this grocery store chain here in Seattle, the Metropolitan Market. They're called The Cookie. <laughs> and they um, are in the, the bakery keeps them like stocked and warmed. And it's a big, huge chocolate chip cookie, but the center of it is, um, has like a little mound in it. Oh. And basically they, 
do it so that the it's like thicker in the middle. So when you eat this cookie, the outside of the circle is like a little crunchy, so warm, but a little crunchy. And then as you get closer to the center, it just gets ooier and gooier. And basically just in the middle, like it's like a hot cookie dough. on Ted Lasso. We got crunchy oh. outsides. Yep. We got gooey insides. Oh, and I'm telling you, these cookies are like, and I always, and they're big. So like, uh, luckily I don't have a metropolitan market near my house, but whenever I'm near <laughs> one and I go in to get one, I will sit in my car. Like the second after I get it, I'll sit in my car and I'll be like, I'm going to have half now and half later. But you get to that middle and you're like, I got to keep going. You can't like, I got to go all the way through. My <laughs> husband always talks about the point of a sandwich where you can't put the sandwich down because it would oh. just explode. Like that's yes. it with that cookie. So all yes, right, 100%. they have biscuits with the boss. You have cookies with the CEO. How about that? Yes. Uh, yes, I love it. Sarah, especially for our moms out there listening, what is the best way for them to come into your cheers, your Richmond Greyhounds, your team? How do they start a conversation with your world? Yes, such a thank you for asking. I really appreciate that. So if you are a, I'm going to start with if you're a mom, but keep listening if you're not, because this might also pertain to you. So if you're a mom, for sure, subscribe, listen to the Shameless Mom Academy podcast. So it's personal development for moms. It's not business specific. I talk about some of my business stuff on there, but it's personal development work for moms, mindset for moms. We have two episodes a week. Um, the first episode is with me on Mondays and then on Wednesdays we have an interview and it's always with just phenomenal women and leaders. And, um, I really work to bring in stories around, um, women who are doing things differently in the world and really diverse perspectives and diverse lived, ex lived experiences. So, um, moms can tune into that. Now that said, I have a lot of people who listen who aren't moms because the conversation, it is not a parenting podcast. This is not like how to potty train your babies at all. It's like how to be a bigger, better leader, how to show up for your life, how, like what's holding you back right now. We just did one. That's like, what are the messages from your childhood that are holding you back as a leader? So it's a lot of those kinds of things. It's really personal development. So I have a lot of women who listen who are not moms. Um, so you can, Anyone can tune in and discern if it's for them or not. If you're a mom and you want more community, we have a free community. If you go to shamelessmom.com slash Facebook, and that's our free Facebook community. And um, any moms can join that to get tapped in and connected to other moms, other shameless moms. The podcast, the Shameless Mom Academy, you can find on any platform where you listen to podcasts. So Spotify, Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Pandora. Is that still a thing? I mean, like where, wherever. One could say she's here. She's there. She's everywhere. Yes. Sarah Dean. Sarah Dean. Uh, oh Sarah Dean, this has been a fucking blast. Thank you so much for being with me today. I cannot wait to see what's next for you. Thank you for constantly blowing my mind with your brilliance. It's been a delight. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much, Annie. This was so much fun. I so appreciate the invitation. Everybody, I will be back in just a second with my final thought and your homework for the week. No soccer. Well, hey there, listeners. I'm always so comforted and intrigued by the idea that we as humans have layers upon layers of depth to us. And this shows up in pop culture a ton, not only in Ted Lasso, which we just talked about, but also in Shrek and Pride and Prejudice and Star Trek, you name it. Anywhere you've ever heard, don't judge a book by its cover. And yet, we are encouraged to judge our prospect by their demographics. Hmm. Now, every marketing person on the planet has their own unique approach to avatar. Basically, the distilled essence of your ideal client served up on a plate that's ready to buy. 
And I've seen brainstorming questionnaires about this that run the freaking gamut. I have been personally asked everything from my ideal prospect's favorite pizza topping to how much they spend per day down to the cents. But neither of these questions actually tells me a thing about what I really need to know in order to sell beautifully and serve triumphantly. I need to peel back the exterior and get to the layers of feeling underneath. So once upon a time, I created my favorite worksheet ever which I call the ideal of your ideals. It's a part of every project and program I have because it cuts right to it and addresses your, albeit fantasy prospects, from the inside out, fears and all. I could think of no better way to honor today's lesson, Sarah, and the phenomenal gift that is Ted Lasso than share some of that worksheet's prompts with you. If in doubt about your ideal clients, feel free to answer for yourself. We are quite often, remember, client zero. What don't they understand? What myth is slowing their growth? What feels out of their reach but is really quite accessible with the right teacher or tools? What do they value? What traits foster confidence and trust in them? What gestures or causes delight them? Who are their personal heroes? Whom do they admire and want to emulate? Who has burned them? Or how has your industry failed them in the past? What specific objections or fears have been left behind? And finally, what metric of success actually matter to them? How will they know that what you're doing together is working? How will they measure the quality of their days or weigh the inevitability of their successes? And my favorite of all the questions, how will your prospects celebrate once they surpass all their own expectations? Hey, thanks for listening. Too Legitimate to Quit is brought to you by the Non-Sleazy Sales Academy and me, your host, Annie P. Ruggles. Listen, we talk a lot about marketing on this show, and that's because I fully, earnestly believe that every dime and every moment we spend marketing is totally worth it unless we turn around and sabotage ourselves at the finish by refusing to sell and sell beautifully. Why? A lot of us have a misconception of what selling actually requires of us or who it needs us to be. Please give me the opportunity to help change your mind at www.nonsleazy.com. That's N-O-N-S-L-E-A-Z-Y.com. Big shout out to the fabulous dudes who helped make this show what it is. My producer and editor, Andrew Sims of Hypable Impact. My composer, Riley Horbastio and my show artist, Francois Vigneault. They're all fabulous, and I'd be glad to introduce you. Until next week, just do your best, and remember, you're too legitimate to quit. (laughs) 